0: Hello and welcome to The Lancet podcast, dated Wednesday the 12th of February 2014. My name is Nikolai Humphreys. It is estimated that 1 in 14 women worldwide are sexually assaulted by someone other than a partner. This is according to new research published in The Lancet looking at the prevalence of non-partner sexual violence in 56 countries. Joining me on the line from South Africa to discuss this is Professor Naima Abrahams from the South African Medical Research Council in Cape Town. Naima Abrahams, it's great to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, Nikolai. Thanks for inviting me to do this interview with Lancet.
0: My first question, in this study, how are you defining non-partner sexual violence?
1: In our systematic review, we defined non-partner sexual violence as sexual violence perpetrated by someone other than an intimate partner. So in other words, the perpetrator could be a stranger, an acquaintance, a work colleague, a friend, teacher, neighbours, police, military personnel, militia, and we included women from the age of 15 years onwards.
0: Thank you, Naima. Could you briefly explain the background of the study?
1: Interpersonal violence was included as a risk factor for other health problems in the 2010 Global Burden of Disease Study. We therefore had to collect data systematically from across the globe, and our team decided to separate intimate partner violence and non-partner sexual violence. Now we did this to ensure we capture all forms of sexual violence, but also because there are some evidence that the pattern of sexual violence was not the same across the globe, and we found higher or lower levels of non-partner sexual violence in different countries. It was therefore clear to us that this form of violence was dependent on the social context of that setting, and therefore we wanted to see how this differed globally. For example, we know that sexual violence in conflict settings are largely non-partner sexual violence, where the perpetrator are military, police, or militia, and there was also some evidence that the degree of violence may be dependent on who the perpetrator is. We also know that blame and shame is also associated with who who the perpetrator is, and support from family and friends will be dependent on who perpetrates. So you see that it was important to measure non-partner sexual violence separately from intimate partner violence.
0: Thank you. That leads me nicely into my next question, which is about how you went about conducting the study. Was the data readily available, and what exactly was your criteria for suitable studies to include?
1: Right. Um, One of the first steps to determine the health burden contributed by non-partner sexual violence is to determine the prevalence of this form of violence at a population level. So we therefore did a systematic review of all public and unpublished reports of country or city-level population-based studies, and we made sure that they used similar uh, definitions to measure the violence. Um, We included studies from 1998 onwards until the end of 2011. We could not use studies that combine perpetrators, for example. And we found that many studies reported measuring ever exposure to non-partner sexual violence and few measured non-partner sexual violence within the last year. We ended up screening more than 7,000 abstracts and we finally ended up with 77 studies and this gave us 412 estimates from 56 countries. Now, about half of the estimates came from dedicated large violence against women studies, such as the World Health Organization multi-country study, violence against women studies, and a few from DHS studies. And we did a meta-analysis and we took into account the female population of the regions in our analysis. We also included variables to control for potential bias, such as underreporting of violence. Now, data was not readily available, and we were amazed at how very little studies we found in the search. This is mainly because the focus in the last decade has been on intimate partner violence, which is also the most common form of violence, and therefore we understand that the focus has been on intimate partner violence and not on non-partner sexual
0: violence. What were the findings, and what do your estimates suggest about the global picture of non-partner sexual violence?
1: right we found a global estimate of 7.2 percent of non-partner sexual violence globally and we found that this varied across the regions quite a bit we found huge variations in terms of the highest prevalence reported in uh, the region of sub-saharan africa central which was in the region of 21 percent and then this was almost three times the global estimate And then we found the the region with the lowest estimates was Asia South. We do not present country-level estimates, and I must stress this, because this was not the focus of our study. Our prevalences that we present are regional prevalences.
0: Yeah, if I could get you to unpack that a little more. You mentioned that regional variation needs to be interpreted with cautions. Could um, Could you explain your thoughts behind that and how we could use your data to draw the most meaningful interpretation?
1: Yeah, now this is the first time that this data was collected systematically, and as expected, we found many data gaps, a lot more than what we expected, actually. And this is the reason why we indicate that um, it must be interpreted with caution, because we think the data is most likely an underestimate. And if we had more country-level data, we might have seen much less variation, We found that most studies use one broad question to measure non-partner sexual violence, and we know that this is not the best method. We found in intimate partner violence that we should ask more specific questions. We also know that there are huge stigma attached to being a victim of sexual violence, and women may not report as easily, particularly in countries where stigma is more prevalent. We also had very little data from the Middle East region, and this may have influenced the low levels of non-partner sexual violence in this region. In total, eight of the global regions had data from only one country, which is an indication of the many countries that does not have population-level data on this form of violence. And then we look at Sub-Saharan African Central region, where we found the highest level, but this was reported by a single country. And this is a country where there is known sexual violence in the conflict that is happening there. So there are many factors that influence the variation, but one of the main facts remains the lack of data and the lack of robust research that's happened in the more underdeveloped countries.
0: Sexual violence perpetrated by non-partners is not rare. What should policymakers heed from your results?
1: I think... We cannot ignore the fact sexual violence is a human rights and a public health problem and it contributes substantially to the health burden of a country and it probably also stifles uh, developmental strides that a country may be making. We've learned in the last decade um, about how to prevent intimate partner violence such as using uh, social change, empowerment of women, And although we know much, not as much about preventing sexual violence, we can learn from the lessons from intimate partner violence, and I think this is where we must start. We must also ensure that services for sexual abused women are available. We need to ensure they have treatment, care, and support, particularly for the mental health problems that we know arise after sexual assault. We need to make sure we have prevention of HIV following a sexual assault or any other STIs, and well as, as well as we need to provide a credible and a caring service. We know that the sexual violence is a difficult problem. It's a huge problem, um, but it's not impossible. We shouldn't really just give up and say we're not going to do anything about it because it's too difficult to manage. In addition, I would say countries really need to look at the importance of collecting good quality data. Countries need to have a baseline to know the size of the problem and to know the different types of violence most common in their settings so that they can develop interventions that are responsive to their problems. There are many tools and there are many examples, and we've learned a lot in the last decade on how to do violence studies and countries really should be looking at how we can share the skill and the experiences to countries where it is needed.
0: Professor Naima Abrams, thank you for speaking to The Lancet.